I love you, Jesus. Lord, without you, we can't do anything. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I am um, so honored to be with all of you today. This is the day the Lord has made. And we, we rejoice today in what the Lord is doing. God is doing many things in the earth. And this church is a part of it. This church is a part of revival, the will of God, the purpose of God. And that means all of you are a part of it as well. Amen. I'd like to... Um, Read a verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter 64, verse number 8, in your hearing today. And as we turn there, I'd like to honor your pastor, Pastor Cox, Sister Michelle Cox. I wonder if we could clap and appreciate your pastor today. Amen. give honor to my wife and my, my kids today, my beautiful wife, Brittany. Life ain't the same without you. I don't even like when she goes, like, for a few hours. Like, I need her close. And she cooks, she cleans, she homeschools, she takes care of our kids day in, day out. And um, to me, she's altogether lovely, like the scripture says. And I appreciate her very much. Um, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. We'll see how far we get today. And um, thank you for having me, church. I really appreciate this invitation. You guys are a great house. And um, thank you for letting me come and be a part of it. The Lord says, yet, I'm reading from the NIV, so it might be a, a little different. It says, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your Hand, everyone say hand. I'm going to go to Jeremiah 18 and verse number 4. And the scripture reads, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the, clay, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. And then one last subscription, I'll let you sit down. 2 Timothy 2 and 20 through 21. 2 Timothy 2 and 20 and 21. But in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. How many of you know it's the will of God to be sanctified? And meet 
for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Would you put your Bibles down and would you, would you pray with me one last time before we hear the word. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit that we feel the manifest presence of God. I pray that you would continue to flow and have your way, God. If I'm going to interrupt you, Lord, then just sit me down. Get me out of the way. Go around me, above me, beneath me. Go, just get to your people today, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, we bind every hindering spirit. I exercise authority in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you're seated, would you clap unto the Lord and give him one last praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, um, this message is very important to me. It's, it, it means a lot to me because, believe it or not, I'm a potter. I don't know if I've ever told you all that before, but um, I could make pottery. And so when I read these verses, and I've taught them before, I've, I've spoke on this topic many times in different venues, I... Um, I understand very, very clearly what God was conveying in this text. There's so many messages that can be conveyed from the illustration of a potter throwing pots on a wheel or sculpting or shaping. And, and always the potter starts with a lump of clay. A lump of clay to be honest, isn't very impressive. It's just there. There's no purpose. There's no vitality. And when you think about it, clay is just dirt that's wet. And, and it's shapeless. It's formless. Clay itself has no value. The saying, as cheap as dirt, really is true. Because dirt is everywhere. There is an abundance of dirt. Our kids understand this very well. Have you ever felt like that in your life? Have you ever felt like, I'm just a lump of clay? I'm just a muddy mess? I think at times we all have. I have felt this way. I've felt my life isn't what I thought it was going to be. My, my life isn't what I hoped it to be. It's not as clean and good and put together as I thought my life would be. I'm just this lump of unfinished clay. Understand what I mean? Discomfort, dissatisfaction start to creep into our thinking when we are mindlessly going through our daily life trying to find our place. We know something is missing. We know that, that we're not quite where we ought to be. We're not quite where we need to be. We're, we're in a process. We're growing. We're being formed. We're being shaped. But we're not there. I haven't arrived to that destination yet. God is still working on me. 
I've been living for God for over two decades, 24 years, but yet God is still working on me. He's still shaping me. And we sometimes get so desperate to fit in that we begin to compromise who we are. We begin to conform and change our lives to take on the shape of the latest trends. To appease the popular mindsets around us of our day. But this morning, I'd like to remind you of what God said. We are the clay. We are the clay. And this world has its molds. This world has its ideas. It has its identity. It wants to assign to us. But God has us in his mighty hands as clay, and he is the master potter. Amen. You and I might feel the push and the pull of different hands at times, and different wills, and different uh, molds and agendas trying to shape us. Hear me, young people. There is a tug of war constantly, every day, every moment, for your identity. This world wants to tell you who you are. This world wants to change the way you dress, change the way you think, change your language, and create you into something that its image, its idea of what you ought to be. There's no lack of molds and influence in this world. It's all around us. Who is impressing on your mind? Who is influencing you as clay? Because the fact of the matter is you are shapeable. You are moldable. You are impressionable. Someone is going to leave an indelible mark on your mind and you decide who it's going to be. Someone is going to impact you. Someone's words, someone's life, someone's example, someone's, someone's pattern is going to show you and teach you who you are. And you allow the voices in your life. And so I'm here to remind you today that there's one voice and there's one hand that should be upon your life shaping you and molding you. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Our identity is a compilation of all of our experiences that we've allowed, all of the information that we've allowed to change or shape our thinking. Who we are as a person is the result or lack thereof of how we allow God to shape us. Have you ever allowed God to shape you? Amen? Have you ever resisted God have you ever swatted God's hand off your life and said God I'm not ready for that but he thought you were you see God's hand wants to be on your life to shape it to guide you to lead you to direct you in the path that you should go and we allow it we disallow it or we allow it but his hand is so powerful 
His hand is so powerful that just one touch from the master potter's hand can change a life forever. And we've seen it in this house, have we not? We've seen lives changed. We've seen people be delivered from drugs, alcohol. We've seen broken marriages put back together. We've seen God take people from the worst of the worst and elevate them to the highest places. We've seen people with no jobs get a job. Why? The hand of God was upon them. The hand of God touched them. One touch of the potter changes everything. The clay has no hope of being anything more than just a lump of clay without the touch of the potter. The clay cannot hope to be anything beyond a simple existence. I'm here, God. I'm just this lump of unfinished potential. But can I tell you, if the potter can ever get his hands upon your life, if he could ever get his hands around the messy mud that you call your life, I'm telling you where there is no hope, suddenly God can bring hope. I'm, I'm telling you that where there's no purpose, when the hand of the potter gets on you, all of a sudden you have purpose. When you have no direction, when his hand gets on you, you now have direction. That's what the potter does. He can take that muddy mess that you call your life and he can make a masterpiece out of it. Clay has no value until it's given shape and purpose. You and I have no value until the master potter shapes our lives in a way that commands his purpose. See, this text does not give us room to misinterpret it. This text tells us what the analogy is. He tells you very clearly. It's very cool, actually. He's saying, just so we're clear, <laughs> I'm the potter. You're the clay. That's what the relationship is. And do you see how the potter works the clay? That's how I work you. And do you see how the clay responds to the hands of the potter? That's how you should respond to me. There is no confusion about how this relationship ought to work. I'm the potter, you're the clay. The potter is skillful. How many of you know that? The potter, our Lord, is an artist with us. He's a master potter. He sees what others cannot see. He has the patience, the vision to create something beautiful and useful out of our lives. When the potter sits down at the wheel to start crafting something brand new, where we see a lump of clay, he sees what he's got to work with. But he sees beyond the lump of clay. He sees your potential. He sees the finished product. He, he sees the usefulness that you can bring, the mercy that he can bring into your life. He sees an opportunity for his grace, an opportunity for his testimony to be expressed through you. Everyone else sees a lump of clay, but God sees a masterpiece. I, I know you see all your faults and your irregularities 
and the mars and the pebbles and the stones and the hard places. But God says, that's not what I see. I see a finished product. I see you after my hands have touched you. I see you after I have made an indelible impression upon you. That's what God sees. Even the clay, the Bible expresses, has its doubts. Even the clay in another place in Isaiah said, the clay somehow can speak in this text. The clay says, you didn't make me. You have not made me. Of course he did, you silly. Of course someone made you. You didn't just pop up. We didn't come from monkeys. God created us. But somehow, the clay comes up with these strange ideas that he didn't make me. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't even know. But I, I, I'm telling you today, God knows. God knows what you're capable of. He knows what he put in you. He knows what you can handle. So why would God spend the time on, and, and, and on the wheel and, and spin us into something beautiful, into something masterful, when we keep sinning, why does he keep wanting to put his hands on us when we keep disobeying him? We keep resisting him. We keep pushing him away. We keep fighting him with our flesh. We keep pushing him away. But yet God says, I'm going to keep my hands on you. I want you. I want to be with you. I still have a purpose for you. He knows where you are weak. He knows who you are. He knows the messes that you have in private. He knows the stuff that nobody else knows about. He knows that you're capable of something beautiful. So what does he do? He spends the time putting his fingerprints on you, letting the, the clay run through the grooves of his hands to continue to shape you and to mold you. That's how you change. That's how you transform. You allow God's hand to impress you, to talk to you, to convict you, to change you if you're willing to submit. And, and my teacher, my ceramics teacher would tell me, when I first was learning how to spin pottery on the wheel, he, he would tell me, Nick, get both your hands on that piece of clay, that lump of clay. Put pressure on it. Put pressure on that wheel. Squeeze that clay. He would tell me, get your legs in it. Get your legs involved in it. And you, you know why? Because the most important part of throwing pottery is centering the clay. If the clay isn't centered on the wheel, and then whoosh, splatter on the wall, clay everywhere. That's why they wear aprons, because it splatters everywhere. And God is, I feel like God is saying, I'm trying to get my hands around some of you. I'm trying to center you. I'm trying to put pressure. This pressure is good pressure. It's the right pressure. It's centering you. It's putting you in the perfect center will of God for your life. It's that consistency. And it feels like you're spinning around in circles and it's just the... The same thing over and over and over and over and over. God, is there ever any relief? And God's saying, I got you in a process. I need my hands on you. 
the potter knows the more contact he makes with the clay, the more he can influence it, the more he can impact it. Pressure is important. He knows what you're capable of. He knows your capacity. If he can ever get the clay to cooperate with him, God can take clay, hear me, and he can make a vessel. The difference between clay and a vessel is its usefulness to the master. When you become useful to God, you're no longer just clay, a clay pot. You're now a vessel. How many of you want to be a vessel for the Lord? I want to be a vessel. And I know it's, it, it's not because God isn't a masterful creator that I'm not. I know that it's not because God is not skillful and not able. I know it's because I've been given God resistance. Instead of being smooth and indelible and submissive to God's hands, I'm hardened. I'm resistant to his hands. I have to be dragged into his presence. I've got to be dragged into church. I've got to be forced to do certain things. And God's like, come on, I need you to cooperate. Come on now. Are you with me today? Are we together? See, there was a time when Saul was just a lump of clay in the scripture. But after God got his hands around Saul, he became a vessel. He became Paul. The scripture says in Acts 9 and 15, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a what? A chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Question, was Saul called to be a vessel in that moment? Or did God call him before he was even born? Talk to me. When was he called? Before the foundation of the earth. Before he was ever born. So that means for all of those years, Saul, God was saying, Saul, let me get my hands on you. Saul, where you at, buddy? Come on, I got a, I got a purpose for you, Saul. Let me change you. Let me transform you. And all the while, Saul is just living his happy-go-lucky life, thinking he's doing whatever he's doing, but he's just a lump of clay until God puts his hands around him and shapes him and turns him into a chosen vessel. They call him Saul of Tarsus, the same Tarsus that Jonah ran to from the presence of the Lord. The same spirit. I don't know who I'm talking to, but someone in here, God has been trying to get his hands on your life. God has been trying to get a hold of you, and he is wanting to put his hands on your life. Let him do it. Let God talk to you. Let God shape you. Let God transform you. Don't you know who you are? I don't know who I'm talking to, but don't you know who you are? You're not Saul. You got a call. You got a purpose. You have a destiny. You have an anointing. There's something for you to do. 
You have a name change. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time and thank him. A vessel in that text, that word vessel means a wife contributing to the usefulness of her husband to be an apparatus, an equipment that carries goods. I want to be useful to my, to my, to my master. I want to be someone who carries the goods for my master. God was saying, I want to put something inside of you, Paul, that you will carry to this world. I want to put my name on you. I don't want you to bear your name, Saul. I want you to bear my name. I have a purpose for you, and I want you to represent me. Like a wife carries the name of her husband, so you must carry the name of Jesus in this world. In this life, church, you may not be a star. You may not be famous or popular. You may never be something to a lot of people. But I'm telling you today, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, you are someone to him. You may not be known across the world. You may not be known on the internet. But you will be known in heaven. And hopefully, you will be known in hell too. This privilege, this honor that God would give us an invitation to bear his name, to be his bride, is a privilege. You are not here by accident. You did not come here. God drew you here. And he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You are supposed to be his holy people, his peculiar people, his, his chosen people. You are supposed to be that representative of what God can do when a hand of God gets on someone's life. When someone sees me, I don't want them to see me. I want them to see the God that is in me. I don't want them to see who I am. I want them to see the person of Jesus. Do you want that? You are a reflection of God. And the more you allow his hands upon your life, the more you can reflect God in this world. If God can get his hands on you long enough, then he can shape you into something that can carry something. All of pottery revolves around one simple concept. Make it useful. Make it useful. Make it so that you can put something valuable in it. I made teapots, not to brag. I made pitchers. I made bowls. I made mugs. I made all kinds of apparatuses and things. And the whole purpose of pottery is to put water, is to put rice, to put grain, to put something that's going to feed someone, put something that's going to help someone. That's the purpose of a vessel. And so God is saying, I don't want you to just live your life just receiving blessing and receiving good. I want to put something in you called my name, my character, who I am. I want it to shine through you to this world. I made a, I remember my first bowl, that's what I called it, a bowl. It was a, it was a bowl. It was a pot. 
I remember the first one I ever made. Pastor Ron, I was so proud of it. I mean, bro, when you make something like that, you can't help but be proud of it. I remember I made it, and I was just like, you see that? I, I did that. That's me. Yep. Oh, come here. You see what you couldn't do? I did it. I did it. I did it. Because it's hard to do. It's not easy. And I remember standing there so proud of my very first bowl that I ever made. Sis, the rim was perfect. The, the inside of the bowl was smooth. You could run your fingers, nothing. You, you didn't feel nothing. It was just smooth. You could eat cinnamon toast crunch out of it like nobody's business. It was awesome. The foot was just right. It, the, the weight was just right. I was so proud. I glazed it. I put it in a kiln, a fire. I made it hard. I glazed it. It was so beautiful. I put my name on it. It was awesome. I was so proud of it. And I brought it home to my family. And to my surprise, they were just as happy and excited about my little bowl pot as I was. And we begin to pass it around. Oh, this is so nice. Wonderful, wonderful. And it, I'll just say it like this, not to offend anyone. It got into the hands of a young sibling. And she took it, and she wanted to run and show her mom. And so she began to run down the hallway. And to my horror, I heard, crash. It sounded like a thousand Legos being scattered all over the porcelain ground. Could it be that that was my bowl? No. And I stepped out, and sure enough, my beautiful bowl was shattered in pieces. And I, I, I felt like my heart had shattered, too, with the bowl. And I just couldn't believe just the moment I got to enjoy it and show it off, it was broken. It was broken. And I remember this thought came into my mind at that moment. Because I could see in her eyes, she began to cry and she began to become really sad. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Why? Because I can make another one. It's okay. Don't cry. I can make another bowl. And that's what God can do as well. God can take the mistakes, the broken pieces, and the Bible says he can make it again. God does not throw people away. God does not throw people away. That's right. No matter how bad. The gifts and the calling are irrevocable in our lives. And I've learned that not only are his hands able to, to form and shape us, but his hands are miracle-working hands. I've heard some people say, well, you know, you can't, you can't recycle once it's been fired. No, that's not true. You can. It has to be ground to powder and remixed into clay for it to be reworked. And even if that were the case, the natural laws don't trump the spiritual laws. God's hands make up the difference. God says, 
I made up my mind. I'm giving you another chance. I'm giving you another shot. I didn't quit on you. The deal's still on the table. I still love you. I still want you to be a vessel. I don't care how far you ran. I don't care how far you hid. I still want you. And so his hands are miracle working hands. They are creative hands. Jesus, the Bible says, spit on the ground. He made clay, put it in the blind man's eyes. And what did he do? He healed this man of his blind eyes. He is somewhat of a potter. He's a sculptor. The Bible says in John 13 and 5, after that he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. My God, Jesus, the master potter, isn't afraid of our dirty, caked feet. God is not afraid to get his hands on the filthiest parts of our lives. It was the servant's job to clean and wash the feet at the door from preventing dirt to track in the house. Jesus took the form of a servant and said, bring your feet. Bring your dirty feet. I'm not afraid to put my clean hands on them. I'm not afraid to get my clean hands on your dirt. I'll take your muddy mess. I'll make it a masterpiece. I'll wash those dirty feet. I'm not afraid to help you. My God, he is so awesome. Thank God that he was willing to wash our feet. Can I just tell you, Jesus has mighty hands. Jesus has miracle hands. Jesus' hands are valiant. They fight for us. His hands bring favor and blessing upon our lives. Yet with all of this, the Bible says that the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. Even in the mighty hands of God, there was pain. Jesus doesn't just bless us, church. He doesn't just caress us or favor us and give us all the things that we wish for. But the Bible says that his hands cut. His hands purge. His hands clean. And sometimes that pressure is unpleasant. Sometimes the pressure from within and from without doesn't feel good. But it's that same pressure, Tanner. It's that same pressure that God has on the inside of us and on the outside of us that pushes us, ready, up. Without that pressure, it's just a lump of clay. Without that pressure, it's nothing. It's no value. But when he puts his hands on you and applies pressure, you can become a vessel. Sometimes you don't deserve the pressure. You don't deserve the valley that you're in. You don't deserve what you're going through. And you're looking around and you're talking to pastor and you're talking to, to brothers and sisters and you're counseling and you're saying, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I pray, I give, I fast, I do everything I know to do. Why am I going through this? Why haven't I received yet? And God's saying, pressure. God's saying, process. You didn't deserve any of it, but I'm shaping you into something. I'm using this trouble to help you. I'm using this pressure to bless you because I'm making you into a vessel for me. The Bible says his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You cannot try to circumvent God and say, God, why are you doing this? The clay doesn't talk to the master. The clay submits to the master. 
Stop telling God what to do. Submit to the process. Learn to embrace the pain. Learn to not waste the pain. My wife worked out the other day for like the first time in who knows when. And the, she says, I broke myself. That's what she says. My legs are broken, Nick. And she walks around the house like this. Ah! And I make fun of her all the time. But it's that process. And I'm always telling her, Brittany, it's good for you. Embrace the soreness. Embrace the pain. It's producing something in you. But I want to tell you that sometimes when you don't understand trust when you don't understand what God is doing trust his hands trust his hands because he's making you into something he's making you a masterpiece the process of a making of a vessel everyone wants to be the masterpiece everyone wants to be that vessel that is showed off that is beautiful that glistens in the light but nobody wants the process I don't want to have to suffer. I don't want to have to go through pressure and pain and et cetera, et cetera. But there's one thing I've learned about God. That is his process. There's one thing I've learned about God. He is the potter. And we are the clay. And we may not always like his process. But let me encourage you today. If you are uncomfortable in your life, pat yourself on the back. Good. Because that means you are growing. If you are uncomfortable with life, with your spirituality, with whatever, good. You never grow in comfort. God will plumb the depths of the deepest pit, Pastor Ron. He will roll up his sleeves. He'll scar and bleed up his arms to reach a sinner, to reach someone who's in the depths of sin, to pull them out. That's our God. But hear me, Jesus will not help you up out of your easy chair. No, he will not. He will not pull you out of that because that's your decision. But when you signal to God, I want to be changed, I want to grow, I want to become a vessel, he says, get out of that chair. Follow me. I've got a process for you. Let me put my hands on you. Oh, Jesus, those hands feel like sandpaper. Put your, don't, don't put your hands on me like that. We need it. We need it. Guys, I'm telling you, you can trust those hands because they make you into something good. They make you into something right. They make you into something that you need to be. God is not concerned about buildings. God is not concerned about this place. He's building people. He's building vessels. He's making vessels for his kingdom. Would you stand with me today? God is applying pressure from within and from without. And if you're sensitive, you'll recognize it and you'll embrace it. You won't try to push it away. You'll realize that that crushing process is actually making new wine for you. That crushing process is making new oil for you. And you know that it's good. And so you stop complaining about it. You stop fussing and murmuring about it. You stop talking back to the potter and saying, 
Yes, Lord, may I have another. My flesh is still alive. I still need to die. (laughs) Yes, Lord, discipline me, correct me, help me. Why? Because I know on the other side of that, there's new wine. There's new oil. There's new anointing. There's fresh vision. There's fresh power. There's a fresh prayer meeting. There's a new soul. There's a new Bible study. There's something fresh on the other end of it. Yes, but I've got to yield to the process. I've got to surrender to the hand, and and I cannot get off of this process. I'm going to open this altar in just a moment. I'm I'm not going to try to preach you up into a frenzy. I'm just going to ask you to come if you want the hand of God to be placed upon you fresh and anew. I want you to come to the altar and make a commitment to God. One of the last things that the master potter does to the piece of art to the piece of pottery. After he throws it, after he fires it two times, two firings, oh yeah, after he decorates it, after he puts all of the glaze and all of the color on the outside and the inside of the pot, the last step, it's always the last step, the potter does is he takes iron oxide or he takes an impression with his signet, with his name on it, and he takes the pot on the bottom, usually on the bottom, and he puts his name on it. Because he wants the world to know, I made that. I made that. That's, that belongs to me. This vessel is not like every other vessel. This vessel is reserved For a special purpose. This is not a vessel of dishonor. This is a vessel of honor. Would you come to the altar and pray for just for a little while with me? Let's ask the Lord to put his hand upon us afresh. When the hand of the Lord is upon you, many things can happen.